Welcome to another episode of the All of Life podcast. I'm your host, Nate Claiborne, here today again, actually, with Pastor of Formation and Mission, Benjamin Camp. Nate, looking forward to talking about catechesis with you. That's right. Yeah. We realized even in the recording of, this is a special Thursday, you guys get two All of Life episodes mm-hmm. for the price of one. <laughs> Um, but we realized we, we talked a lot about catechism question one, but really we should have prefaced it with its own intro about what catechesis is. That's not a word I think we throw around casually. Mm-mm. It's something we've all experienced in different parts of our lives, something that we all do if we have children. Mm-hmm. Even if we don't have children, we're still catechizing uh, in various ways, and we'll get into that in a few minutes. But figured it would, it would be helpful to just have a second episode that just does a little bit of a deep dive on what is catechesis, why are we doing it, how do we do it, and then that's going to give a little more context for what our hopes are for the new city catechism this year. That's great. Well, maybe we can begin with a story, because I, I've I heard this story from a pastor named Ray Ortland Jr., and it just stuck with me because I really appreciated it. Um, and the story go- is something like this. There was a, a U.S. Army officer, and he was in uh, a city that was kind of in the western part of the U.S. back, back when w- the language of the Wild West uh, was created, right? Mm-hmm. And so there was uh, violent rioting going on in this city, and the streets were overrun by a dangerous crowd. And, and so he was walking, this officer was walking through the streets, and he noticed another man who had this com- combination of calmness and firmness and composure, even though there was a crowd that was surrounding him that was uproarious and intense. And, and so they passed each other. And as they passed each other, uh, each of them turned around and looked over their shoulder at the one that they just passed. And so uh, the stranger walks up to the officer and puts his finger in his chest and he says, what is the chief end of man? And the officer replies, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And then the stranger goes, ah, I knew you were a shorter catechism boy by your looks. And he said, why, what, that was just what I was thinking of you. And so there's this like, I think it's a true story from what I gather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's this, there's something so rich in that, which is um, there's something about deep being so deeply rooted in the theology of our faith that it actually gives you a calmness and a composure in a Wild West riot, <laughs> yeah. uh, or in the tumultuous times we live in today. Um, and so uh, I think it's, you know, the subtitle of uh, J.I. Packer's book on this topic, his book's called Grounded in the Gospel, but the subtitle's really great. It's called Building Believers the Old-Fashioned Way. And I love that. So in other words, the church for 2,000 years have been catechizing, using a catechism mm-hmm. with a question and answer format to teach children and new believers the faith. Uh, but only recently have we kind of departed from that model or that practice, which is why people like J.I. Packer are writing books saying, hey, let's bring back this old way of grounding people in the gospel. Yeah. Well, and we, it, I, I would love to do this, but we don't have as much time right now. I'm just tracing why catechism was so important in the early church. And even through, you know, the Middle Ages, medieval church, mm-hmm. uh, and early in the Reformation, and then it's it's really been only in the past few hundred years that we've seen mm-hmm. a significant decline in it. So it, it seems normal to not catechize That's at right. the moment, mm-hmm. but in the history of Christianity, it's an abnormality. That's right. In fact, uh, to your point about the early church, um, it was it was not. It, it was a normal thing that somebody would uh, be interested in Christianity, and there would be uh, anywhere from one to two years, even three years sometimes, 
of preparation before they were allowed baptism. Mm -hmm. And in that preparation, they were catechized in primarily three things. They would learn the Ten Commandments, which is how to love. They would learn the Lord's Prayer, uh, which is teaching you how to hope. And they would learn the Apostles' Creed, which is teaching you the faith. And so faith, hope, and love uh, was the basis of catechesis uh, at that point. And so you know, as you said, even the Reformation uh, didn't throw away as if this was some sort of Catholic idea that, I, that we would catechize. And the reason for that is is that uh, the Reformers uh, and we, to this day, take very seriously the idea of sola scriptura, that scripture alone is our authoritative guide for faith and life. And so the Bible itself actually encourages catechesis. So the word uh, is a. It comes from the Greek word uh, for which is katekeo, which means to instruct or to teach. Um, if you read Galatians six six, it says, "Let the one who is taught the word, or the word there is katekeo." That's where this um, this idea comes from. So the one who you could you could say it this way: Let the one who is catechized with the word, share all good things with the one who catechizes. Mm. That would be a proper, very literal translation of Galatians 6.6. 6. But even that, Paul is a very good student of the Hebrew Bible, and so he goes back to the book of Exodus, where things like this are said in Exodus 13.14. Uh, it says, and this is right in the midst of the actual exodus out of Egypt and, and the Passover, and and it says, and when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. In other words, God actually told Moses to teach the people of Israel to catechize their kids, to use this question and answer format, that the kids would come and say things like, Dad, what's the chief end of man? <laughs> right? mm-hmm. Your kids are not asking you that question. But but the, they would ask questions about the faith. They would ask, I mean, my little boy asks me often like questions that I have a hard time answering, things like, uh, why is God invisible? And I'm just like, God, dude, I don't, you know, <laughs> why is God invisible? Help me, Lord. Like there's a prayer in that moment. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, because he's a spirit. Well, what does that mean? Well, yeah. you know, the catechism says God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and changing, and is being attributed. Like the catechism actually has questions and answers that address some of these questions and gives us a real firm foundation for the faith. Uh, and it comes straight from the Bible. Um, now, maybe the primary passage on this is Deuteronomy 6, the, the Shema. Mm. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And what should you do with them? Here we go. Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house at mealtimes, maybe. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. And when you walk by the way, uh, today that might be in your commute to and from school uh, or to and from worship or to and from the grocery store. And when you lie down, uh, I put my kids to bed at night and we read the Jesus Storybook Bible and we sing a hymn and we pray together. Uh, And when you rise up in the morning, you can... So you're just immersing your kids in a world that is the world that truly is, which is a world where heaven and earth are interlocking and overlapping, where God is a very present help in times of trouble. That's the world that is. And we want our children in our secular age to be immersed in the world that, that actually is reality. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like how you stopped as the, you shall uh, right after lie down and when you rise and you didn't get into the bind them on your hand <laughs> or the, I remember we always talked in Hebrew class about that verse eight, the if you're looking at the ESV, it says they shall be frontlets between your eyes. The Hebrew word is totafot. Mm. We have no idea what that means because <laughs> that's the only place it's used. And so it's just kind of a, 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess it's like literally like right in front of your face the whole time is probably the imagery of it. But uh-huh. what is this thing? Yes. Uh, not entirely sure. So well, and we'll this is, leave it to the listener to discern. That's right. And this is where we get the idea of the, the language of all of life that we use for this podcast mm. or that we use for uh, all of us need all of Jesus for all of life or follow me as I follow Jesus in all of life. We get it from passages like Deuteronomy 6. The, the entirety of your life is encompassed here. And so what is the idea of it being uh, you know, between your eyes or on your hand? It's like, well, your eyes is your worldview, right? Your eyes is how you orient yourself in this world. What is your hand? Well, the hand is the way that you influence and have a have some sort of agency and influence on the world. And and so your entire existence is to be immersed in and shaped and formed by the fact that you loving God with your entire existence and who God is and what he's done. And and so that's what catechesis really is is primarily about. Yeah. And we're hoping that, you know, we we rolled out the New City Catechism in corporate worship last year mm-hmm. as our standard statement of or confession of faith mm-hmm. so now we're just we're basically just doing that again this year we'll, we'll still sprinkle in the apostles creed and maybe some other things throughout the year um, but we just thought we'd we'd spend more time talking about the importance of these questions each week and so mm-hmm. the other episode that dropped today we we get into question one next week we'll get into we'll get into question two as well um, but we're really hoping it's a helpful tool for family discipleship that's right but it really i mean even if you don't we, I, I don't. I want to speak for people that maybe you're not married, maybe you're married, you don't have kids. It doesn't mean this is not for you, Mm-mm. because it really is answering very core questions about the faith. Yeah. It, it can go as deep as you want it to go. If, we, if you're using the web app, if you're using the the actual app on your phone, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about this in the other episode that there's a short answer for what is our only hope in life and death. Uh, but then if I wanted to, I've got the longer answer is what we actually confess in in. Worship, and then if I'm looking, I can look at different verses. I can read this commentary here that I've got some, got something from Calvin on this from Tim Keller. It's basically got all your bases covered right there. Right? <laughs> That's right, modern <laughs> well, and ancient. Modern or... and ancient. There you go. Um, it's got a prayer, and you know, there's there's different books that you could get. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it really is a you can use this for your own personal worship, your own personal theological development. It's not just hey, parents for kids, use this. It is definitely that, but yep. it's not only that. That's right. Well, and, and Damien told me about this because he was reading a commentary on Deuteronomy, and uh, the author, I think it was Michael Goheen, said something to the effect of the two biggest threats to the people of Israel as they were going into the promised land were, one, idolatry. Everybody says, yeah, totally get that. But two, failing to pass on the faith to the next generation. Mm. Now, on this side of Pentecost, Uh, the next generation is absolutely your children. Uh, But it's also new believers, um, that there's there's generations of people that are coming to faith in Christ as uh, young adults, adults. And and so passing on the faith to the next generation is, uh, it's it's all-encompassing in that there's this handing down of the faith faith once for all delivered to the saints, right? And so... um, there's an article that we're going to put in the show notes here, uh, which is called Catechesis for a Secular Age. And it's got Tim Keller and James K.A. Smith talking about the importance of catechesis in our day and age. And they make an interesting point, which is, I think uh, the, the, the idea is, is that the catechisms that came out of the Reformation, if you read the Westminster catechisms, uh, if you read the Heidelberg catechism, they take very seriously counterformation against the Roman Catholic Church. 
Why? Because in the 1500s and 1600s, the primary threat to the true faith, as the reformers saw it, was the Roman Catholic Church and the ways in which the Roman Catholic Church had warped and distorted the doctrine of salvation and some of these really important key tenets of the Christian faith. That's not the primary threat that most of our people at New City are facing. The primary threat most of our people at New City are facing is secularism. Mm -hmm. It's that we live in a closed material universe, that there's nothing outside. There's no such thing as transcendence, really. And Mm -hmm. and if there is, it's just a subjective experience that you can get through some hallucinogenics, maybe. Uh, That there's nothing outside of this world, that positivism from science is the only way to get true knowledge. I mean, there's all these pieces of secularism. And and we it's the it's the air we breathe it's the you know the fishbowl that we swim in so I I just assume that I am more secular than uh, Christians prior to me uh, I assume that all of our listeners right now are more secular than they think that they are um, and that's because we're formed constantly by a secular culture a secular age yeah. and so then what does that mean well we need cat- catechesis that's actually counterforming us against the secular age that we live in, just like the reformers created catechisms to counterform people against the Roman Catholic regime that they all lived under. And so why does that why is that important? Well, that's one of the reasons we're taking up the New City Catechism is because it was written for our generation. Um, and it's one of the reasons we're doing these podcast episodes uh, is because we are going to talk about how does this question and answer counterform us for the common good. In other words, I think that if we, if we, if we become worldly, we have nothing to offer the world. the 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 Christian The Christian gift to culture is as we remain distinct as salt and light. As soon as we compromise ourselves and become unsalty, Jesus says, "You're no longer good for anything." Which is hard words, but it comes from Jesus, so we take him seriously. Uh, and then, if you become, if your light gets snuffed out. You're, you, what, do you, what are you to the darkness? You're nothing to the darkness. And so counterformation is really important, but it's for the end of being uh, pursuing the common good, that we want to love our neighbors well. The only way we love our neighbors well is if we stop becoming secular like our neighbors and we're counterformed by things like catechesis to believe the proper things about reality that the Bible teaches us and that we, we trust come, because, uh, come to us through the prophets and the apostles and Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, everything you're saying here, you're, it's just an extended riffing on Romans 12, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. That's it, right. This idea of... You're not supposed to be conformed to this world, but in order to, for that to not happen, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Or I think we, we've probably quoted the J.B. Phillips translation of it, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Yeah, that's, that's formation right. language. That's exactly right. right. Yep. And, and so what we're doing is we're taking up uh, something that is, you know, arguably... 5,000 plus years old, maybe, uh, that's, uh, you know, three to 5,000 years old, this practice of catechesis as the way to form people in their faith. And we want to encourage and challenge and equip and release our our parents to do that with their children, uh, disciple makers to do that with the people that they're saying, follow me as I follow Jesus, uh, for us to do that ourselves. Um, there's few things like learning the catechism to actually shape your own thinking, even if you're learning it with and for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is kind of a, um, a, a sneaky way for us to disciple parents in the truth faith as they're, as we're encouraging them to disciple their kids in the truth faith. And, yeah. and so there's something really important about that. Well, it reminds me of, and this, this goes back, I was probably, let's see, what is this? 
I'm stumbling a little bit. And what year is this? It's 2024. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, almost 20, over 20 years ago, when I was taking piano lessons, that was something my piano teacher did with me because mm-hmm. I'd gotten to what should be an advanced stage where she's like, well, you'll really know you've got the fundamentals down if you can teach it to mm. beginners, mm-hmm. which in my case meant five, six, seven-year-old kids. So good. And so as a 16, 17-year-old myself, I started teaching piano lessons, but it was to make sure I had the fundamentals down really, really well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I think I do. But it's, it's, I was reading, in a, I can't remember what book I was reading this in the other day, but it, when you ask someone to explain how, uh, I think it was about a bicycle. Mm. It was like, how does a, you know how a bicycle works? Yeah. You ask any adult and they'll say, yeah. He's like, okay, well, tell me. Uh-huh. How does it actually work? Yeah. Or draw one. You Or draw one. And it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, I could draw one. And it's yeah. like, can you? Uh-huh. Do, do it. Yeah. And it's like with, with explaining a bicycle, it's like, yeah, we sort of intuitively understand it as mm-hmm. adults. But if you can't actually explain it, then you really don't understand it. Mm-hmm. You have some right. practical know-how, but you don't have theoretical or fundamental know-how. And I think sometimes we might think that about theology or mm-hmm. about the Bible. It's like, oh, yeah, I know what the Bible's about. I know the general story. Or, you know, I, know, I understand the Trinity and incarnation and all these things. It's like, mm-hmm. well, can you explain it to a five-year-old? Yeah, that's right. It's like, well, you know, it's a good <laughs> test of how well is it. How well can you articulate it yourself? It, mm-hmm. it, it clarifies your own thinking to be put in a position where you have to explain it to someone else. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that's the why. That's the what. Now, the how. We're using the New City Catechism. Uh, there's an app. There's a web app. There's uh, resources available. But if you just if you just use the app, I think it's it's a really well-designed app. You already talked about how, you know, you can look at the bottom. There's prayers, there's commentaries, there's scripture references, all those things. Uh, if you go to the top right corner, there's a little cog there. You can turn on children's mode, which shortens the answer for, for little, little ones, like my little boy who's four. Um, and you can, there's little songs you can play. There's all these ways to help uh, make this useful in family discipleship. And uh, we really want to encourage our congregation to use that. That is why every Sunday you're hearing from the New City Catechism before we go to the Lord's table is because we want to align our uh, gathered worship in the congregational space with family discipleship, with what's happening in communities and circles. And and we want to create um, kind of this through line where the New City Catechism becomes a really significant part of how we disciple the next generation, whether that's children or new believers. Yeah. And it, that even underscores too, this is not a new thing we're introducing. We're not like, oh, by the way, 2024, let's start doing catechesis. It's, mm-hmm. We've been doing different versions of it all along, the, mm-hmm. the way our liturgy is formed, is structured, the, what mm-hmm. we're trying to do in communities and circles in those spaces. Um, it's it is this. This is just another way, another strategy, mm-hmm. I guess we could say, that we're employing towards that same end um, and just being a little more, trying to be a little more aligned with how everything is fitting together, which I will we'll let the people decide as, as the year right. goes on. <laughs> yeah, that's well said. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, the ways in which we get to unpack these question and answers through this podcast where we're going to talk about what does this mean theologically? What does this mean for us as a counterculture for the common good? And what does this mean for our personal formation and discipleship to Jesus? It'll be a really important way for us to kind of work this out, this catechism for a secular age. Yeah. Well, and just to underscore too, I mentioned this on a different episode, not the one that, uh, that we just released as well today, but we did set up an email that people can 
just just so we can get more feedback about how we could tailor these towards the needs of the congregation. But mm-hmm. if you have questions about the catechism that we feel like we didn't answer in this podcast, or you have questions about how to use the app, or mm-hmm. uh, even just insights of different ways we could approach answering some of these questions, just send us an email at podcast at newcityorlando.com. And that's going to go straight to me. And then you know I'll be able to talk with Ben and mm-hmm. figure out a strategy for answering some of those questions. Maybe we even do a Q&A where we just go through and just, if we get enough questions, do mm-hmm. something like that. But That would be great. I'd love to do that. And, and I love the idea of the, the podcast email because it, it enables us to turn this into more of a dialogue than yeah. just a monologue. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to what the rest of this year will hold. And we'll see how it goes next week with question two. That's great. Thanks.